Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Thank you, JJ, for that introduction. And I also want to thank all my listeners from around the world. We are now in over 53 countries. And it's so exciting to know that people are listening for the message of hope. Because a lot of people, that's all they have left is that thread of hope. Especially when they receive devastating news or go through some form of tragedy or even just feel hopeless in their own career and want to move forward. Our show offers tips, insights, inspiration, motivation, and just good listening. And so I thank each of my guests because each of them has been absolutely amazing and I appreciate them. And I also appreciate you as the listeners to give us feedback, to give us comments and reviews and subscriptions to the show as it will continue to prove to be successful as a result of that. So again, I thank you. With me today is Amy Bouverd. She is a ghostwriter, an author, educator, and inspirational speaker. After we hear her interview today, you will agree with me that she is indeed inspirational. She is also an animal advocate and rescuer, someone after my own heart. She works with domestic and international animal rescue groups, and I'm excited to hear what she has to share about that. Amy suffers from retinitis pigmentosa, which is a hereditary eye disease that progressively steals your vision. I'm sure this was a very scary process, and Amy will share that journey with us. In her memoirs, which are entitled Mobility Matters, Stepping Out in Faith, and her second book, Cain Confessions, The Lighter Side of Vision Loss, to Vision Loss, Amy shares her journey from denial to advocacy, educator, and optimistic motivator. She sounds like a woman who definitely will be able to relate with many of our listeners today. Welcome, Amy. Thank you, Carol. It's good to be here. Now, Amy, before we talk about anything else, and I know my listeners definitely want to hear about uh, your journey through this uh, process of, of getting the diagnosis, etc. I want to ask you and hear about your animal rescue efforts. Please tell us about that. Well, I guess I've always loved animals. And when I lived overseas, I, I lived in a variety of countries. I've always seen 
various animals suffering or, you know, so I, I've developed a real heart for them. And uh, when I lived in the United Arab Emirates, I would see sheep that, you know, somehow had, hadn't been milked, uh, hadn't been uh, goats that hadn't been milked. And, uh, you know, it just really hurt me so much. Mm. And uh, camels that were uh, hit by cars but just left on the road to, to suffer until they died because it's a, a big, um, it's to, to, to kill a camel is very costly. Mm. And, and, you know, the, it could be, the, the locals would call for blood money. Right. So people just left them, them to suffer. And I remember one time we suffered, we uh, rescued a, a small camel. That was quite interesting for me to try to get it off the road. And, <laughs> you know, and so I went and came back home to the States. And I, I think I volunteered at the Humane Society or um, we have a couple different rescue sites here. And all of a sudden I started getting a lot of mail from everywhere. Horses, yeah. uh, about horses, elephants, which um, Every kind of animal, like twenty or thirty per week. Wow! Oh my goodness! <laughs> and so I just I started, you know, to really to de- just to develop a heart for all these different things I never even knew about mm-hmm. slaughtering horses and, um, you know, uh, donkeys that were, you know, left by themselves, uh, were treated badly, uh, farm animals like chickens and. So I just started sending money and uh, helping when I could. My friend, uh, I encouraged her to, uh, gee, she rescued a, uh, I don't remember, a a very large animal. Anyway, so I've just been involved in it, involved in promoting awareness of it, uh, sending money, volunteering my time at the local shelter, you know, and I suppose later I'll get more in, involved in it, but it's just been happening in bits and pieces. So well, now Amy, I mostly do it with money. <laughs> I have never met a camel rescuer. Is that a little like a horse whisperer? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in other words, you are you are hearing their their cry for help, yeah. and you responded to that call. That is absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. I, of course, I had no idea. And yet, if we think about it logically, of course, this is this is what would probably be going on around the world. So mm-hmm. it's wonderful to know that there are people like yourself who are doing something to stop the abuse and the pain. Yeah. So, Amy, we need to talk about your journey. You were in the in denial at the time of diagnosis. Can you tell us about that? Well, yeah, the... I came home, I, was, I had been living in Costa Rica, and I had a job uh, in Indonesia. So I came home to get stronger glasses. Uh, I, re- I was in the jungle, and I thought, I, I cannot see. This is so strange. And so the doctor said, you know, uh, we took two days of, of uh, taking tests. And I just said, well, yeah, I feel like I'm night blind. I was kind of making a joke. And so that led to more tests. The doctor sat me down. He had his assistant hold my hand, and he said, you are losing your vision. You're going to be blind. You should change your career. Oh, my goodness. And Just like that. I, yeah. And I thought, oh, my gosh. 
does he have the wrong file? <laughs> so I went back home and I, I, I prayed about it and I thought about it. And it's, it was, I couldn't not go to this job. I finally found a scripture that, uh, like, you know, when Abraham, he's called by God and he's at that time, at that point, he's Abram. And he says, go to a land that I will show you, you know, and I will make you, you know, I will bless you. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought, well, if he could do that with Abram, he can do that with me. He'll take care of me over there in Indonesia as well as he will here. So I went ahead and I continued with my uh, teaching overseas. I was an English teacher. And I didn't know if it was going to happen just like that. You know, like one day I'm going to be sighted. One day I'm going to be blind. You know, I had no Mm -hmm. idea what to expect. But, and then it didn't happen. You know, it, like, I just kept, going on and you know I was kind of clumsy but nothing it didn't really lose my vision and so then I said oh this is just you know I just keep adapting you know and it, it was mm-hmm. so it wasn't you know you you trick yourself that it's really not happening you know it doesn't matter people think I'm a bit clumsy you know it's you're still living your life and so it continued on for years and years you know and I didn't really recognize the signs that things were worsening because I just got in my my head that I must not have had the bad strain of this. Like, there's a good and bad strain, you know. And, I mean, in my mind. You probably were thinking that you're just getting older, too, right? <laughs> like, is, isn't that usually what we do when we're yes. in denial about something? Oh, it's just a sign that I'm getting mm-hmm. older. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> oh, I mean, it's, it was everything. I was, uh, you know, like, I would run into people and spill their cough, hot coffee on them, and I'd say, oh... I just, I didn't, you know, I, I'm so airbrained or, you know, <laughs> right. And you know, that's what people thought about me. They liked me, <laughs> but they thought I was pretty hairbrained. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. And I like that. I mean, I like that that was non-threatening mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, after a while things, uh, started like I would walk into, um, like cement poles <laughs> or, um, really down a step and it you know i would just keep saying that i was clumsy you know and uh, i knew were you not seeing it is that what you're saying like yeah what happens is you have these islands of vision like one eye can kind of cover for the other eye and it's like irregular areas that you see so when you're scanning or or looking you won't see it'll be looks just like air but then all of a sudden it's there and you hit it you know mm. or sometimes you'll see it at the corner of your other eye so it's like your eye and and also your brain fills in what you don't see okay you know? so you think you're seeing everything so it's very very deceptive you know? and that is that um with most eye diseases or specifically to this one I think it's specifically to this one because okay. it's so gradual. Okay. And it's not gradual with, for everyone, but it's gradual for, um, typically gradual, you know. And um, and so I think that it's, it's, really, uh, it's really deceptive. And it, chunks of your vision leave so gra- gradually that, yeah, you just, you just keep adapting. And then you think, oh, you know, it's all right. I can, I can live with this. Until you can't anymore. <laughs> so you know. at what point did you realize you had a problem? 
well, when I ran into the, um, I guess it was a cement column. I was giving a, an exam to about 100 students, and I was the one in charge. I had to go to the doctor to get stitches in my head. <laughs> and then that was one of a, bi- a big warning signs. <laughs> um, At least you're laughing about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what did you do at that point? Yeah. The I came home and all of a sudden it, it, it like I hadn't taught I took 2 years off to try to write. And when I during that that period of the 2 years I couldn't really walk down the street without running into something. Mm. And uh really I was tripping over everything. And uh, I wasn't teaching, so it, I wasn't really being tested. Like, you know, I, I wasn't, like, seeing the mm-hmm. everyday difference, but I was feeling it. And I also started having problems hearing. And uh, one, I thought, okay, I'll be a writer, and I won't have to worry about any of this, this stuff. And it didn't work. I didn't sell anything. I wasn't, I wasn't dis- disciplined in my writing, so I had to get a job. Mm-hmm. It was really good that a, a school right down the street from my house, maybe five minutes away, they needed a teacher, a Spanish teacher. So at that that year, I started a job teaching Spanish and also teaching at a local college. And were the, maybe it was those two, maybe the, it was those two jobs that really brought it out. And I started uh, panicking because I was running into their their um, books. <laughs> oh. I was flying everywhere. I was knocking things over. And I couldn't hear them. I had gone oh, to really? uh, the doctor, uh, the audiologist, to, and I found out that I had moderate um, hearing loss. And so um, the bureau, I went to, through the Bureau of Blindness and Visual Services, which somebody had recommended to me. And they bought me hearing aids. And um, they gave me this cane and I'm like what is this cane for I'm not going to use this cane and of course I just smiled and and thanked Mm -hmm. them then they they assigned this mobility instructor to me this orientation and mobility instructor and I said yeah well I'll I'll, uh, uh, maybe later you know but my counselor kept talking to me about how it would really help me it would give me confidence and finally just to kind of you know stop for bugging me, I, I said, okay, okay, I'll, I'll talk to him. And so he came to my house, and I was so shocked because he was completely and totally blind. And I thought, how can this man guide me around and teach me how to see? I was really, really a bit angry. <laughs> angry, and not angry, but like, like confused. Like, how mm-hmm. could this happen? And why didn't they tell me he was blind? And, and you know, I had all of these, these uh, stereotypes and, and fears to overcome. It took a couple months, and it took maybe uh, six months before I really trusted him. But that was the big crossroads that I had to go through, you know. It was, um, you know, I didn't want anyone to know about my vision problem. I thought nobody knew. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. So you you thought only you you were keeping this hidden very, very well. Yes. Well, I thought. Mm -hmm. But my friend was telling me that it wasn't hidden at all, that everybody knew exactly. And I was the only one that was hiding. Um, but my mobility instructor had a tendency to just t- 
talk to everybody. So he would tell the teachers, we went to my school, and he would tell them, oh, yeah, I'm just helping Amy learn to use her cane. Like, I can't believe you just said that. (laughs) And it was... It was like confronting things in bits and pieces, and he wouldn't let me hide anymore. Really? Mm-hmm. So he was helping you? <laughs> yes. Now, yeah. how long did this process take? Well, I had been in denial for t- like 20 years, so I mean... Okay. It, I, <laughs> I was pretty time. much in, in, it was the word, uh, like uh, encrusted in it. <laughs> it. Like was, you know, but from when he started teaching me, when he met me, I would say we started in October, and it wasn't until May that I really could could really really see how much he had taught me, and okay. my my thinking had changed. That it was you know it was really frightening to do all of the things he was asking me to do. Like I had to tra- I had to train with sleep shades, which are black things. Um, eye masks that you use over your eyes like in, when you're in an airplane or something to sleep so I had to use this and at first I thought well just because he's blind he thinks everybody needs to train <laughs> to train that way and you know it was um, kind of scary and uh, so I guess I just had to go come, overcome all of those fears of doing everything in the, in the dark you know that's what I was actually going to ask you next is what were your fears and how did you overcome them? Because with denial comes fear. Yeah. Well, the first thing was anybody knowing, you know. Um, were you and, embarrassed? Is that yeah. the emotion oh, yeah. you were? Okay. So and why do you think you were embarrassed? Like how can that help someone who may be listening today? How were you embarrassed and and was it because of a stigma? Yes. It's, okay. There is a huge stigma that whether it's real or perceived, that both the community, the, the, the sighted community, and the vision-impaired community face. The first one is when people see us with a cane, they perceive that we, we, they think we can't see anything at all. You know? So when you have some vision, you feel that you're fake, like you're fake blind. That's one of the, mm. the big things to overcome. The other one is you begin to see yourself in a deficit way, that you are less capable you know and that's just like a stereotype you know that we you you think that people without vision cannot do things they cannot uh, participate in life fully so it's your own impression of yourself and it's other people's impression of yourself that you have to overcome and it's also like what am I going to do in my life how is this going to affect my job Um, how is this going to will I ever you know be able to fulfill my dreams there's so many fears. Um, what, will I be able to see my, the faces of the people that I love? Um, how, uh, how, are, how are people going to um, respond to me? Are they going to say, oh, you know, like treat you like you're, you know, they like feel sorry for you? Mm-hmm. All of these things, you know. And, and, and the biggest, biggest, biggest thing is independence, you know, especially like I had been a world traveler. I've been everywhere. And all of a sudden I was viewing myself as like someone who couldn't even walk down the street, you know, and without drawing attention mm-hmm. to herself. So those were my biggest fears, you know, and like would I have to, would I end up staying in my house, you know, giving up all of the things I, I always wanted to do and just because I couldn't see, you know, 
how was I going to support myself? So that must have been your point of realization that you had to take this into your own hands. Yes. And mm-hmm. what, how did you do that and what got you through that? I think going through it, just doing it. Really, my mobility instructor was a major um, force that, that helped me get through it because he he just did it. It was matter of fact, you know. And I guess if my faith was uh, really... Uh, I When I first started with the Bureau of Blindness and Visual Services, I ignored my mobility instructor because he's the one that always exposed me. But <laughs> the... Uh, it's like God kept putting people in my life that helped me and encouraged me. And uh, there, there was a song that I heard. It was called God Use Me uh, by Andy Landis. And it, after I had like talked to the computer guy that, you know, he set up my computer for larger text. And I talked to the counselor and I talked about the, re- to the rehab person. And I had encountered all these things. I just felt like God was saying, look, you know, trust me. And I, when I heard that song, I said, you know, God, whatever I am, just use me. You know, I, her song became my song. Mm. And, I, and I finally accceptted and, and called Ch- uh, my mobility instructor to help me. So, and you had so, a support group as well. I did. Um, well, I didn't until later. Then I, I started uh, with my support group online, but I um, I didn't have it until much later. <laughs> now, do you have children, or did you have no. any family around you? Well, I I live with my an apartment over my my mother's house, and my brother is here as well. So they were definitely a support for you. Yes, mm-hmm. a strong support. Yeah, excellent. Tell us about your book, how, the, you know, the whole idea of writing it and what type of book it is and how it helped you, how it can help others, anything you'd like to share. Well, you know, I, when I started doing the, the mobility instructor, the mobility training, I began to look at it as an adventure. So each time that I went out, although in the in the beginning it was like a, like frightening I started to look forward to it, and I had been working on a book called Fading Light, which is the story of my vision loss, for okay. a couple of years, and it wasn't coming together. <laughs> so I, I, all of a sudden, I felt like God was saying, this is where you need to start. This is where the need is. When I, I told you I um, went to a support group, like mm-hmm. I was online, everyone was talking about how much they hated their cane, and they would never use it, and I thought, this is where... I I have overcome. I have I have finally accepted that I need this. Maybe maybe I can my story can help them. Okay. So it took it was like I struggled so much with fading light and this one just came together like within 4 months, you know. And I sent it to an editor. She liked it. I sent it to another editor. She liked it and it just it just came together so well by uh the story is about the uh, it's it's on two levels. It's it's where my faith journey meets my um, physical journey, <laughs> and I don't know which one is the stronger because <laughs> it um, each time I went out, it was like uh, my mobility training was like faith training, <laughs> you know. And it well, was you like related the two, right? Yes, that's okay. right. 
That's right. It was like my, you know, my cane was like the rod and the staff in the... Uh, <laughs> the Old uh, Testament. Yes, that's right. And so it was it was like, it's it's written on the adventure level. Like what this, what like my weaknesses were when I tried to do this, this training, but also my overcoming, you know. And it's also about tr- learning to trust God each time I went out. So... Um, and it's it's really a, about coming to terms with it, with my vision loss. It isn't isn't only just about the cane. It's about coming coming to terms that this is who I am, and that I I can do whatever I set my mind to do with God's help. You know, and uh, it it doesn't uh, it doesn't um, sugarcoat anything. It it. I really show how I feel about all of the things that I'm coping with. I show my weaknesses. I show my strength and also my optimism, you know. And then your second book. Oh, yes. This is, this is really interesting. So my second one is, um, is the story. I'm, I'm kind of a storyteller. So it's the stories of all of my um, uh experiences overseas well some of them are overseas some of them are in the states here where i i first of all i don't have a cane and so it caused all these problems <laughs> and cultural problems and in the the emirates and and uh and uh there's one in japan and there's another one in india <laughs> so because i didn't have a cane some different things happened and so there's a lot of humor in it but there's also insights so uh the insights will tell you uh will tell sighted and vision impaired people what i learned from an experience you know and then there's where i can you give us an example yeah like um okay there's one is called may i have the floor please and I'm really bad at telling people when I when I can't see something. I just don't want to admit it. So I went into a house, and uh, a, a, I didn't know. I stayed overnight at this uh, friend of a friend's house, and I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to tell her I couldn't see where her couch was or <laughs> or her chair. She's you know she said, oh just have a seat and. I said, oh, okay, and I sat on the floor. I sat on the carpet. Oh. She said, oh, don't you want to sit on a chair? And I said, oh, I just love this carpet. It's just wonderful. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I can stretch my legs out. And it just went, this whole charade went on all, all night. And you then and I, I was also afraid she had oxygen. I was also afraid I was going to step on her, her um, oxygen cord, right? So I just wanted to move as little as possible. <laughs> and then... The uh, the next morning, not only did I step on our oxygen cord, oh. <laughs> but so we we I did that, and then uh, and then uh, we left shortly after that. Right, I was thinking about that whole thing about you know how I my cane really I had the tools just you know just like uh, Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz and how she had the cane all along, uh, how she had her, her magic slippers all along to take her home. Well, I had my cane all along. I could have just reached out my cane and said, oh, and found where the, and found where the, um, the, the chair was. But no, I didn't use it. I didn't use the tools that I had. And I didn't admit my, my, uh, my fear. And she didn't say also how she was afraid of being around a vision-impaired person. <laughs> so it's like we both kind of learn mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. how but to... Pride to, is tricky, isn't it? 
Yes. You know, it, it's a matter of not just denial, but it's a matter of dealing with self-pride. And self-pride is a very positive thing. And yet that is was challenged. Yeah. So that's totally understandable. And I don't yeah. think anybody would have done anything any differently. Now, where are you at now in, a, in situations like that? Oh, I'm a little bit better. Um, I still make up stories sometimes. <laughs> I still don't admit it fully, but okay. I'm much better than I used to be. And, uh, and I, it's sometimes easier with some people than other people. Uh, I, you know, like I'm a, the secretary of the Lions Club. Sometimes I, um, I do strange things. <laughs> and I, so like I, I drop a, you know, a, a, I knock over a glass of water and people say, oh, it's a good thing I have uh, great reflexes. <laughs> but I never say, okay, I'm going to put it at 12 o'clock, you know, whatever, where I, right. you know, where I put it so that it won't happen. So I, I still making mistakes like that, you know, instead of just saying, oh, look, let me just, you know, <laughs> let me tell you where my water is. And if I, or, or you tell me where my water is, if I tend to, you know, so I, I think I'm much better than where I was, you know, and blogging about it helps a lot as well. What you know? kind of reception have you had with blogging and have you had other people come forward and able to share with you as well? Yes. Really, really positive. Yeah. I, from both vision impaired and sighted people, they, uh, people say all the time, I never knew that. I never knew that. I never even guessed, you know, and it's, it's really been a strong, um, it's really been a strong bridge. I blog in a group that, that uh, is made mostly of, of sighted people. And all the time they, mm-hmm. they tell me that it's really uh, helpful to know that. And as well, the vision impaired people, because they're still at so many different stages of denial or acceptance, you know. And so my, my blog posts, they can identify with them as well. So I think it's really been the strongest bridge. And as, as well, I speak to uh, the Lions Club, various Lions Clubs, and they work with vision-impaired people, but they haven't ever uh, been, a, a lot of the members haven't been around vision-impaired members or vision-impaired people, period, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not just members. And so that is a real positive bridge and an opportunity that I have to serve, you know. And it, I really feel that, uh, like, a, a strong educator, <laughs> you know. And when I thought that my my career was going to end, I, I didn't really realize that it was just going to go in a different direction. So my writing has taken me in that, the direction to educate and to, I think, through a lot of humor to re- make people uh, relaxed and not so uh, worried about things, you know. Can, uh, are your books read individually or better together? Individually, mostly. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you, you don't have to read both, in other words, to get the, the feeling of what you want to um, express. Oh, you mean like each book? Yes. Oh, um, oh either or, yeah. Okay. They're, uh, the, the, the first one is, they're both humorous. Okay. And the first one... Uh, is it, it includes my faith walk, and the other one includes just it just focuses on daily living and you know optimism. There's a lot of optimism in in both books. 
Now, have you had any hurdles that you have not been able to overcome that you're still working on? Or do you feel like you're really pushing forward in the right direction? And I really feel, yeah, I feel like I'm really pushing forward. Of course, there are, that there are areas I need to work on. And I have no vision out my left eye. And so that's becoming a problem for me because it's very blurry. Mm. <laughs> and uh, so I'm working on handling that right now, you know. And I have no peripheral vision, like uh, like the side vision. Right. I told you I have like five degrees, but those five that's that's like uh, I don't know how to explain it. The uh, when strictly I, when like I, looking forward though is that what yes. you're saying? Okay, yeah, it's the tunnel. Okay. Yeah, there's like before I didn't know what I wasn't seeing, and okay. now I know that there's a tunnel, and uh, it's more tunnel than vision, <laughs> and. When I when I can't see like someone standing in front of me, um, and they're holding up two fingers, that upsets me. That, I, I mean, it's like proof right there that I've lost more vision, you know. And and then I just think, okay, well, my mind still, my brain still tells me there's something there when I'm looking when I'm not focused on that particular person or whatever in that situation. So then I just think back to how God will get me through this, you know, but momentarily that brings, takes me back and I have to refocus because it's, it's kind of depressing. (laughs) Now you mentioned at one point in the beginning here about the stigma and I interviewed a gentleman uh, who had a a major stroke and he was left with um, a disability, several disabilities and one was his speech and Mm -hmm. I believe he's also in a wheelchair. And the the message that he wanted to get across is, I'm not stupid. I'm just disabled. And mm-hmm. from what you are saying, I feel you are trying to get that message across too. Do you ever feel like people are looking at you or other people with disabilities in that light? And how do you cope with that? I cope with it by education, by, by speaking to them uh, uh, about generally speaking. Um and yes, I do feel that, 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 uh, and especially hearing, that's the, the, like vision and hear, I'm losing my vision and my hearing at the same time. Okay. And so w- with hearing people, if you don't answer them, they, they do think that like, you know, they can like with vision, sometimes they, they can couch it, you know, like, but with hearing it's, it's, you either hear it or you don't. And people's responses are immediate. Like, I, I'm talking to you. Didn't you didn't you hear me? Okay. Aren't you listening? <laughs> like that? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then you. It, it's embarrassing to have to ask like three or four times, you know. Uh, but so that's what I'm kind of uh, coping with more than my vision right now because the vision I, I I'm like really really excited. I have a lot to a lot to say, but my hearing I, I sometimes when i'm talking uh at like a lions club meeting or something i'm afraid that if they try to ask me a question i won't be able to answer it <laughs> you know and so. that, that's justified absolutely and yet you are going to overcome that just as you have overcome the other yes mm-hmm. what's in amy's future oh well you know i hope that it's a lot of books um, I hope that I'm going to be able to speak for the Foundation for Fighting Blindness. I would like to speak for the American Foundation for Blindness. I'm now I'm working at the, uh, it's called Vision Aware. I, I volunteer my time to encourage people, other vision impaired people there, and to bring about more education. So I guess I would just continue doing the same thing and, you know, becoming 
a bigger educator and more confident. And so I just consider the same, you know. And your website, you touched a little bit about it. Any, uh, is it a blog or is there uh, anything else that you offer there? Oh, I offer a lot of resources there. Okay. It's, yeah, I have a song that I've written with a two friends of mine, two musicians, and it's a, my cane will help me through. Um, mm. And I have tip cards for uh, vision impaired people and for those who who know uh, friends with or loved ones of vision impaired people. I have uh, my book in audio. I have a sample, an audio sample of my book, Mobility Matters. I have, uh, well, that's that's basically it, I guess. What, what, ad- what advice, if any, do you want to give the audience, both to those who may be going through something similar or to those who may know somebody going through this? Seek knowledge. Seek, you know, try to get as much information on your, situa- on your condition as you can. Connect with other people, you know. So that don't you don't be feel in denial. About, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. I think you have to go through denial. Okay, I be- agree. Yeah, and yeah, before you're actually accepted, I think you mm-hmm. have to go through that period, and um, and then, but but it's really important to connect so that you you don't feel alone. And the other thing is, you know, whatever if it's your faith, if it's uh, something positive, uh, uh, your own talents. Con- Grab onto the positive things in life so that you are not left feeling like my life, uh, life passes you by. There is so much you can do, so much living in spite of vision loss. It doesn't have to end anything, you know, that you are, you are capable, you are strong, you are, uh, you know, you are able to do whatever you set your mind to, to doing, whether you have to adapt it or or whatever, you can accomplish so much. By and having I, the right attitude. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Attitude is so, so, so important. You know. And that takes that takes some time. That takes experience. I mean, you certainly went through, um, you know, different hurdles, like you said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not something you wake up one morning and say, oh, okay, this is all fine and good. I'm going to have a good attitude about that. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it's a learned Mm-hmm. experience but the what you're doing and what you're suggesting to others is to not maintain a negative attitude but maintain a positive one and that's where you're going to grow no mm-hmm. matter what has happened mm-hmm. um, the other thing which I'm sure you are fully aware of is no matter how bad we think we have it we can always find somebody in yes. a worse situation and that brings actually a feeling of thankfulness mm-hmm. knowing that you can help others and that you're not as bad off as others may be as well. So that's yes. that's excellent. One other thing is humor. I was just going to ask you about yes. that. Yes. <laughs> okay, yes. Humor is huge in healing. Yeah. Share that with us. Yeah, well, once, you know, I've always had a really good sense of humor. And I think that when you tap into that humor, things come into perspective. You know, if if you think that it's the worst thing that's ever happened and you're so embarrassed mm-hmm. you know if you just look at, into different aspects of I, I often look like I'm um look into my life like I'm Lucille Ball or <laughs> or Lauren and Charlie right, right. Or, that's that's a good point yes mm-hmm. to make fun of yourself mm-hmm. 
And I yeah. suppose you've done, well, you actually shared some experiences of where you have done that. Yeah. And so it's yeah. fine in the humor in your own situation and just in general. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you do public speaking, I'm sure that that's what you share as well, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to share with us, Amy? Anything about your books, your website, any words of encouragement that you didn't say or? Well, my audiobook just came out um, January 27th. And I have a wonderful narrator who really brings out the story mm. uh, that, uh, and it's, it's available at, on audible.com as well as Amazon and iTunes. Excellent. Okay. Well, we'll put that in the show notes for sure. Mm -hmm. The Lions Club helps support that initiative so that people who cannot uh, see to read Mm -hmm. can also be encouraged. And um, so now that's an area that I'm going in with all of my books. What other, you said you wanted to write more books. What do you want to write about? I have a series, uh, a trilogy. One is called Fading Light. That's the story of my vision loss. Oh, and the, and uh, just life overseas. The other one is Heavenly Light. This is the story of, uh, I, I suffered, um, what's it, toxemia when I uh, was pregnant with my twins. And this was the story of their life and Aww. my pregnancy. And uh, it's... It's a kind of a faith, and it's also a love story. I was married to an Egyptian, and so it's our story from the beginning to the end. The third one is called Traveling Light, and it's the encounters that I had that were kind of what I call divine encounters that God used to grow me, and that were very interesting and different. <laughs> the, uh, then I have another book I want to write about my father, who was... Uh, like well-regarded in our town. He was an entrepreneur, a tree man. He had all kinds of different things, roles that he played. And uh, I have, I want to write about my dog and <laughs> just all these different things. <laughs> um, well, my book, Cain Confessions, I hope is going to come out in this spring, uh, April, at the end of April, I'm hoping. It's not out yet, but I hope to have it out soon. Well, you've got your work cut out in front of you, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> and you are enjoying writing. That's wonderful. I'm anxious, and I know my uh, guests are anxious as well to um, to link to your books. Um, they are all going to be available, like I said, in the show notes. Anything that you write in the future, as you were mentioning, your um, the three that are coming, that sounds really exciting. We can also put those on there as well when they are ready to to uh, be published and Mm -hmm. that's something to look forward to and to stay connected so Mm -hmm. I appreciate what you shared with us today I appreciate the encouragement Uh, you said a lot about life in general without even talking about it and I know that there will be many people that relate that are cited but they still are going through situations Mm -hmm. that are are fearful or um, that they may be in denial or many other the emotions that you expressed. So I thank you, Amy. You have been an awesome guest. We look forward to hearing more good reports in the future, like I said, about your, your upcoming book releases. And thank you. Thank you for listening to Never, Ever Give Up Hope. Featuring Carol Graham. 
Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.